my favorite author, Calvin Miller, when you have a semi-tractor towing truck with this thing for forever, and you want anybody to come down and it's all about everybody is trapped around this rock. That's the whole purpose of the semi-tractor. It's just that everybody's using this big rock to get around. But Calvin Miller is my absolute favorite writer because he writes like I wish I could. He talks like God. You know, with proper English and all that stuff. And my wife says, I feel sorry for those people. You don't even have good grammar. Well, I went to grammar school in L.A., Doug. Uh, but <clears throat> where were you? I don't know. They were all happy. <laughs> we can't hear them. Turn it down. Turn it down. Uh, centering. Read Centering. You will love it. It is absolutely not what I'm speaking. I beg your pardon. But it is in the middle here. These aren't numbers, so I couldn't tell you go to page whatever. But anyway, in one of my prayer letters, uh, I have Calvin Miller's thing, Living for the uh, God's Pleasure. This is one of the passages in my prayer letter. And if you nothing else, just take that one, which is the last one I gave you. I was saying, <laughs> there's only one secret place uh, left. If you don't have one of these, I mean, if you walk out of here with no books, shame on you. You may, as my granddaughter, who went to an independent Baptist kindergarten, came home to her four-year-old brother and said, do you want to receive Jesus? And he said, no. She said, you're going to burn in hell. <laughs> That's the one who's a Marine. <laughs> she was visualizing achievement for the, her brother. But anyway, there's only one left. And if you don't have one of these, if you can read this book, it doesn't challenge you to draw closer to God. It doesn't open your eyes to the depths of prayer, but not overwhelming or discouraging. I don't make very much money, but I will give you the $7 for this. And if I could, I'd put this in the hand of every Christian. Because it's easy reading. And yet, it just... Anyway, we're going to run out of time. Elmer Towns. Anything he writes is excellent. You want to read about fasting? Get Elmer Towns' books on fasting. You want to go into the Lord's Prayer? Read this book on the Lord's Prayer. And this one is just praying and a lot of struggles with praying. Elmer Towns writes where you can understand it. And not where, you know, he runs Liberty or something. He's with Jerry Falwell. But some of the books are like overwhelming, and I read them, and I, it's like I'm going to start on a prayer, and the guy puts the bar at 16 feet. I can't, you know, I can't hardly jump three. And so I don't like those kind of books that leave me discouraged. Uh, praying backwards is really, really excellent. I told you that, Brian Chapel. And this is, I'm talking about the Lord's Prayer today, and this is, James White, and this is the little book back there on the Lord's Prayer. It's a little small book, but it's a very excellent book on the Lord's Prayer. And I probably have, I don't know, 50 books 
that is strictly on the Lord's Prayer, maybe more than 50. That's all it is. It's just writing on the Lord's Prayer. I had no idea how deep the Lord's Prayer was. And I remember when I pastored my first little church, they said the Lord's Prayer every Sunday. And that was getting too um, liberal for me as a pastor in a little country church. So I had them stop it. Because I thought it was vain repetition. Well, it could have been. But you know what vain repetition is if you look at it? It's praying without thinking about what you're saying. It's not repetitive. So even someone that does a rosary and does the Lord's Prayer every third beat or whatever, if they're thinking about it, it may not be the same thing as in your church when you do the Lord's Prayer and no one's thinking what they're saying. You know what I'm saying? They're really thinking about what they're saying. It's just off the top of your head. And a lot of our prayers off the top of our heads. This is vain repetition. Words that really mean nothing. Okay, let's see. Did you take the thing off the front? I didn't see you sneak up there and do it. something up there. Okay, how can you protect yourself from severe and unnecessary problems? And how can you also protect your family by developing intimacy with God? And developing intimacy with God is really neat. On on that deal there that I told you to read on centering, one of the ladies there says, you know, um, I'll put it in my words, you know, I know I really need I know I really need to develop a prayer life. And between the desire to really pray, I know I need to do this, can be 20, 30, or 40 years. I mean, is there anybody here who doesn't think you need to pray? Anybody here who doesn't think people ought to have a prayer life? But I don't ask you to raise your hand, but do you have it? Do you have that closeness with God? We know we need it. But let me tell you, I really believe, see, we expect when we're dealing with spiritual warfare, we don't recognize it because we're looking for epileptic seizures, we're looking for all this, you know, ripping clothes off and, you know, breaking chains and all this stuff. But I want to have a prayer life and then I just kind of forget about it. I don't do it. That is an attack of the enemy. Do you think he wants you to talk with the Lord? Do you think she wants you to have that closeness with him? No. We don't recognize how Satan works in our own personal lives. we got to recognize that he wants to come between me and the Lord. How do we do this? By developing a meaningful prayer life or a life of prayer. In different times in my life, God brought me to things like this, where, I, where he would really stir me, but I never did anything. I was busy for God. I was too busy for him to spend time with him. You know what I'm saying? And busyness has destroyed more Christian leaders than, and success than any other things. Failures have never destroyed a believer. Because when a, Grish, a believer fails, what does he do? Brushes the dirt off his knees and goes on. But all of a sudden you have success and <laughs> look what I've done. Forget it, brother. If you did it, it's not going to be lasting. It's not going to be any eternal significance, you know? So I want to develop this meaningful prayer life. And I went back and started reading 2nd and 3rd century people. I 
to go back as close as I can to the early church and find out what do these people say about prayer. And you'd be amazed. I mean, I have probably 300 books that are written between the 3rd, the 2nd, and the 4th century. I got back and read. And they're hard reading, let me tell you. And the print's real tiny. Um, <clears throat> but I was amazed at the prayer life that these people had and the walk with God they had because I was always told these kinds of people didn't have that kind of stuff. The effect of prayer is union with God. And if someone is with God, he is separated from the enemy. Isn't that beautiful? Well, I'm telling you, if I'm walking with God, I will recognize when the enemy's around me. I will sense the presence of the enemy in situations that this is not a good situation. Women, a lot of women have that second whatever. I'm not getting in the elevator with that guy with the suit on. I still feel guilty. And then later on she finds out why God told her not to get in the elevator. Who taught me to pray was the demons. They tempted me so badly I could only defend myself by them constantly resorting to prayer. I like that. I was so under attack I had to go to God. Now prayer is not that which is found only in the mouth, but that which springs from the bottom of the heart. And a lot of prayer is from the mouth. All I got to tell you, I have a sort of a sense of humor. I hope it doesn't offend you. But <clears throat> we have all these books on prayer. And every night when we go to pray for the dinner, I say, God bless his food. Does he, you know? And my wife says, you know, do you know how much money that over a thousand books would cost if they were just $10 a piece? You know, she said, it seems like we could have a better prayer and dinner. You know, with all the money we've spent on these books. I thought, okay, honey, I'll fix you. So the next night for prayer, I sat there and I said, all right, let's pray. God bless the missionaries in Japan. God bless the missionaries in Taiwan. God bless the missionaries in the Philippines. She said, let's eat. <laughs> I won. <laughs> but I'm not good in public prayer because I want to be able to really open my heart up to God. And I'm, he's not going to judge me. And it may not make sense. I'm so glad we got the Holy Spirit. Because he takes a mixed up prayer and makes sense out of it. And I don't have to be worried about when I talk to him, I don't think, what am I going to say? Or, you know what I'm saying? All this kind of stuff. Because we have a close relationship. I can just, I just talked to him this morning, you know, about Bill Fay and his beautiful daughters and lovely son in law and all this stuff. Um, they're sitting right here. That's why I lost smiling. <laughs> He's all red. <laughs> you know, when you love a guy, you can just love on him. <clears throat> Out of the depths, I've cried unto you, O Lord. Have you been there? Where all you can do is just cry in the very depths of your being to God. Now, remember at times when, when it looked like our children were going to die and certain things. And I'll tell you, I learned how to pray from the depths. And sometimes you don't, you're crying. You don't know what to say. You can hardly put words to it. It's just almost like groans of your heart going up to God. Prayer is the raising of the mind and the heart to God and praising and thanksgiving. Um, you know, I th- I was, as I'm looking at it, I just thought of Diane. Um, you know, uh, Ron's a sex wife. 
you know that that when you praise God and when you live a life of praise, that that expels the forces of darkness? Are you aware of that? You remember when when Saul was oppressed and David came and played the harp, what happened? The forces of darkness left him. The oppressors left him. Remember the doctor I told you that was going to kill himself with a shotgun? slept for three months all night long and came to my office and I said, I have a tape by two Christian girls I've known for years, really sweet girls, and it's a heart tape. It's the most beautiful, melodious tape that I know of. I've sold this tape to girls thousands and thousands of them. And um, the Chris sisters, and I gave them a copy for free. The girls gave me tapes to give away to our counselees. He bought a continuous CD player and for the first time he slept all night long as the heart was in his pancreas. See, it, it removed, even though this man was a mess, he was a mess. When medical doctors trying to kill himself, you know, and all this other stuff, you know, his life was really messed up. And it was. I'm not belittling what was going on, but praise repelled the enemy. And he could sleep, and he slept from then on. Every time he played, when he stopped playing it, it'd be back until we got through with it. We cannot know God if we're always in motion, and that's my problem. If I'm not in motion, you know, Ron is right. I know I had to be ADD, but they didn't know what to call it, you know, when I was a little. I mean, I'm so wired up now. When I take my my counselors with me to Africa or somewhere, they're knocked out, and I'm running like crazy. You're old. (laughs) We ought to be keeping up with you. So I probably gave my mom and dad a run for their money and the teachers when I was little, but God was winding me up so when I got older, I wouldn't get unwound down too quick, you know. <laughs> so there's hope for your ADD kids, you know. <clears throat> but if I'm not moving, my mind's going. And I have a, that's why I had the most terrible time of being quiet and never moving. I could sit there, which was hard for me. But then my mind's going everywhere. And let me tell you, God doesn't speak in Jesus found it necessary to guard carefully his time uh, for quiet and communion with God. I said, look at Jesus' prayer life. Just go through the Gospels and look at it. So how much more do we need to be alone in the Spirit's presence? If an ant Two, silence of the tongue. 
soul, physical, the tongue, the soul, my mind, emotions, will, and all of that brings us in touch with God. This is not easy. Maybe for some people it's very difficult. I almost gave up anyway. That maybe I could never have a closeness with God because I just couldn't do it. And I kept saying, God, you got to help me. I was like Peter saying, hey, God is working. Even with my toilet running, I was like, God, call me. <laughs> That'll help. You know, it's just bubbling over the rocks. And that was a help. But it's still, I need, I just needed God to help me. It just is not my anger. And I really needed that. And let's say not. Andrew Murray, there's books by Andrew Murray back there. You will never go wrong reading an Andrew Murray book. Never. They're all wonderful. And I put a lot of Andrew Murray stuff in the stuff you got. So if you've never been exposed to it, look at the Andrew Murray stuff that's in there. If it's, and look, look at this. This is so awesome. If a child, if children do not learn to pray when they are young, they will struggle with prayer the rest of their life. How many of you were taught to pray as a little child? Really taught? Praise God. Because you still pray, don't you? Do you know that we had the president of Prairie, I can't think of his name, he's not there anymore, um, and it wasn't the founder's son that left, this guy who replaced him. He came to CEF, um, I had him come, and it wasn't on a day of prayer, but he came and he talked about studied revivals around the world, and most all of the major revivals worldwide could be traced to children's prayer meetings. And this guy had tons of books on revival. I mean, I saw his death. My son went to Prairie, and he was president at that time, walked by. He saw this one office. There's your books stacked all over everywhere. It's like the bookcases are full. You know, the floors are stacked up. This guy was just as bad. I mean, I think I got a bug from him when I started my prayer book because they're stacked all over the house, too. They don't have enough bookcases for them. I mean, the basement. They're stacked upstairs. My wife would not allow that. <laughs> Downstairs. They're all over the place. But... <clears throat> What about Moody? Remember when Moody, what, who, who was the, the thing behind Moody's revival in England? A girl in a wheelchair. Remember that? That was crying out to God. Boy, let me tell you, there is power in a child's prayer. When children, you know what? why children pray? They don't have any obstacles. If God said it, that's it. It's real easy for a child. They just believe. That's why it's so easy to work in child evangelism. And, and or other ministries that are working with children because children, you know, if they trust you, they'll believe what you say. And they have tremendous faith. I mean, our kids sometimes, I was really concerned. You know, because they'd be praying, like, for clothes. We didn't have enough clothes for them. And I'm wondering, are we going to get clothes? And they're already thanking God for sending them. And he always did because there were needs. It wasn't kids were praying for just stuff. They were praying for basic, basic needs. And it God loves to hear the cries of little children, you know. And we'll be a child that cries because you're extremely gentle. There are angels who are standing in place of God on earth. Let's look at the Lord's Prayer. Now, the, when I started uh, developing my prayer life, I didn't know where to go. So I thought, well, I probably should do the Lord's Prayer. I'll go back to the Lord's Prayer, which I threw out of church when I was a young pastor at a Bible school with all the answers and very conservative. Um, and I went back, and what I did is I just listed the Lord's Prayer by phrases. That's what I did. I wanted to look at 
what is this prayer all made up of? And as I was looking, how does the prayer start? Our what? Our Father. All of a sudden, I thought, I got a problem. Now, if the word Father gave me a bad connotation, that meant I had not fully forgiven my dad. And remember, I tried to kill myself because of the way my dad treated me when I spoke to him that day. I tried to commit suicide. But I had fully worked through that. I had fully, as best as I knew how, gave that to God and forgave him. And so when the word Father came to my mind, I didn't have any bad feelings. I had no feelings. didn't realize that. I could set our chair, our table. You know, I could have said anything. And I'm going, even though I am, you know, a fundamental Christian, I ought to have some feelings for God. It probably it should do something, and it was doing nothing. And so I went to Dr. Rumberger, and some of you in the past have heard Dan speak of these things. And I sat down, his office was right next to mine. I went and sat down, and I said, Dan, psychologize me. I said, i got an issue. I said, there's something really wrong. When I say Father, it doesn't do anything. Maybe I was afraid I'd be, you know, too much of an emotional charismatic when, you know, I say, Father, I just fall to pieces or something. I don't know. But it just didn't, it was not right. There was something radically wrong. Then it dawned on me, why didn't I have a prayer life? If that was my concept of God was just kind of nothing, why would I pray? Do you understand what I'm saying, people? If you don't know who God is, you're not going to talk to him. And that's when I had to go back and study the names of God by going to uh, K. Arthur's book, Lord, I Want to Know You. I knew who he was by name, but I didn't know him. Oh, Elion, I can name, you know, El Shaddai, I can name all those things we sing about. But what did they mean? What did they bring to me? Nothing. They were words that said his name. You know, you could say Ron Susak, Diane Susak. But if you never met her, never heard her, it's just what? Just a name. But now, when you can associate stuff with that name, it's a whole different story. And that's why, if you don't know who God is, I'm telling you, your prayer life is going to be lousy. It just will be. I have to know who I'm crying out to. I have to know he's there. I'm telling you, it's not that way anymore. But I didn't know if I could get over the first hurdle. The first hurdle is his name. some guidelines for teaching your children to pray for yourself. To begin with, adoration. When you start taking the Lord's Prayer and break it down, I mean, I don't even have all of this. Uh, I have a notebook just on different ways of praying the Lord's Prayer. And it isn't all on here. But you break down, what is this? It starts, the Lord's Prayer starts with adoration. Starts with prayer. Hallowed be thy name. In the middle is what? Thanksgiving. This is probably the simplest way to break down the Lord's Prayer and teaching little kids to pray. Thanksgiving. Confession. Repentance. And it ends with worship and praise. And glory forever. 
That is the simplest way to break the Lord's prayer down for children. Just following what Jesus did starts with adoration, with his name, hallowed be his name. In the middle, thanksgiving, confession, repentance, and then worship and praise. There's many other ways you can see on this thing, but I'll let you write those down because it's very simple. many other ways that I tried to follow praying five minutes. You know, um, the Lord Jesus said, Jesus, you march in heaven for an hour. I'll tell you, God knows we get the guys overwhelmed at that prayer uh, seminar where we just guys meet together, teach them how to pray. And I say, I can't believe that, you know. I never prayed for five minutes. Let alone an hour. And we've had men stand up and lead as we just did Dick Eastman's. The 12 aspects of prayer and spent five minutes with they don't even spend five minutes. If most guys spend one minute under the uh, his thing, they they pray, you know, at least twelve minutes, two minutes, twenty-four minutes. And we had guys weeping. And I'll tell you the neatest thing of all, what the last ones in our prayer life, fathers to bring their sons with them in this thing. And the very last night, the first time we prayed all together, the men sit in the chair up front and share. Most of these guys have been broken for years. And every time a father was broken and saying, I need prayer for this and that, the first one to run up to lay hands on him was his 12, 14, 15 years old. And other gathered around him. And, and Mary, who's our cook, is weeping, you know, and to see them. I mean, you ever sense the presence of God? I've always sensed the presence of God in the North Woods on the last night. When dads are sitting there and asking for the guys to bring them, just sharing the see their kids come and be the first one. Some of these kids are kind of snot-nosed teenagers, you know, that kind of came. And God worked in their life as they begin to spend time with God and learning how to develop a prayer life, too. And thrilled by This is Richard Burr, and Richard Burr's prayer is a book we give in the office, and it's Developing Your Secret Closet Prayer, and it's another one, because we've used it here before, that's why I did Warren Brisby, but it's another beginning book on prayer for someone. And his chapter four is going into I talked a little bit about, remember what it's like to walk in the throne room of God. This chapter four is on that. This chapter five is how to pray scripture back to God. And that's so Richard Burr's book, and they reprinted it. It went out of print. They reprinted it, but they're not going to reprint the old thing, so I don't know. Um, here's another way of breaking the Lord's prayer down. You know, our, the, the idea here of community, it's holy, then I should what? Be holy, live out who God declares me to be. Do you know I'm holy? I have to remind my wife that periodically. You know? And um, I don't know what it is. This, this, this kid that had learning disabilities, you know, I told you he was there, and it was so neat. We bonded. And it was so wonderful. He hated taking showers. 
And so do I. I said, maybe we're related. And I'll come home and I'm just tired. And I'm just, I'm not going to take a shower. You know, it's four o'clock in the morning. It just doesn't appeal to me, you know, to, to get to work at by five. I'm just not going to do that. But when I come home and it's been a real emotionally draining day, the last thing I want to do is to walk in a stupid shower. And uh, my wife just can't believe it. How can you be holy and not take a shower? You know, it just absolutely doesn't come together. So maybe us with learning this, who else is dyslexic here? Yeah, you are. Do you like taking showers? I'm going to change something about the Bible. The Bible says, in the mouth of two witnesses, forget about the third. <laughs> doesn't look dyslexic, does he? No. That's the bad problem with that particular kind of stuff we have. It doesn't show, does it? And people don't know, and they just can't understand. So if I read things wrong, even on this, hang in there. Uh, <clears throat> thy kingdom come. Thy commitment to preparation. You know, never pray a prayer that you're not willing to be part of the answer. Send your kingdom. It's amazing when guys get baptized, how they can hold their wallets out of their pocket. I don't know how they do it. <laughs> you know, I, I am not anti-charismatic. I'm a non-charismatic. And we do a lot of counseling with charismatics. Because I know the issues. I say, are you a Baptist? No. I said, you're not Baptist then. doesn't mean they're anti-anything. You know, what flavor are you going to be? you got to choose something. And um, but anyway, <clears throat> you know, the charismatics really have got a handle on prayer. I mean, you want to go to a church that probably really believes in prayer, you're going to find more charismatic churches really believe in prayer than the fungies. You know? Um, being warm and so on. But, you know, are, are you willing to participate in establishing God's kingdom? Look at my brother back there. We met. Terry was 12, I think, the first time we met him. I'm not sure you were driving then and shaving. But anyway, I've known Terry for years. I almost got sucked into being in his, his same ministry, but down in Gothenburg, wasn't it? Gothenburg, whatever, down there. Uh, and uh, But, you know, he's been involved in establishing God's kingdom his whole life, and now it has changed overseas. But he's still involved doing that. Are you involved? Are you supporting missionaries? Are you praying for missionaries? I mean, don't tell me that you are concerned for a lost world and you're not doing anything financially. But anyway, I just wish a big charismatic church would have me come. I mean, mega charismatic church. And I'm going to have them come up and I'm going to pray that they might receive a gift of the Holy Spirit. And all those that want that gift, come up here, and I'm going to lay hands on you. I'm going to pray they're going to get the gift of giving. <laughs> Not too spectacular, but horribly needed, isn't it? I just wish they would emphasize that one, which would benefit us a lot more than some of the others they emphasize. And I've never heard a church give, a, you know, give an invitation to get the gift of giving. I'm serious. 
I mean, you just have to be in our kind of ministry, and I'll tell you, it doesn't take very long, and you're out of that ministry if God doesn't touch hearts. Thy will be done. Commit it to obedience. You're praying God's will to be done. Are you going to be obedient to what God's laying on your heart? I mean, this this prayer can be very personal. You understand what I'm saying? I can pray this from the top of my head, or I can pray this with the purpose of what? Becoming involved. Being part of what I'm praying about. Trust the Lord for physical provisions like cakes and stuff. <laughs> Let me tell you a story. We've always tried to get our church, churches, to trust God with the budget. And uh, we had a brand new couple come to church in Tacoma, Washington. The guy was a cartoonist in the newspaper. And uh, they were horribly in debt. And I was saying, that's not really what God wants. You know, uh, they got a lot of mail, but it was always from Sears, Pennies, and all this other stuff. And, uh, and they promised in their heart that they weren't going to go in debt anymore. Because once you're in debt, the credit card comes out all the time, you know. And uh, then you can't give because you're trying to pay off all this stuff. And uh, so they were at the house, and that morning they had no toothpaste. They also had no money. And it was just kind of close to payday. And the wife said, okay, you know what they teach in our church? And they're just new, new begin believers. I mean, they had been saved for maybe not even three months. And they said, you know, we're supposed to trust God with so much. I said, why don't we pray for toothpaste? We don't have any. I think we ought to have toothpaste. We've got a few days left. The kids have Christmas. So they knelt and prayed and asked God to send toothpaste. So she goes down to the, they lived in a big uh, complex, you know, where all the mailboxes are together. <clears throat> and she opens hers and praise God, there was a sample of crest. She got that one. And as the people were coming, ah, and when she left there, they were giving her samples. She had 25 samples of crest, okay? On Sunday night in our church, we would not have a testimony that was over a week old. We wanted a church with living testimonies. What has God done to your life? Prayer requests, give answers to that. And Sunday night service was more fun than Sunday morning. Sunday morning was me. Sunday night it was God, you know? And so she's getting up there, and she's talking about how she prayed and got all this toothpaste, and she's crying. She's never seen God actually do something like that as a brand new Christian, and she ended up by saying, why didn't I pray for steaks? <laughs> I'm telling you, church can be fun when people know how to get a hold of the Lord. You know, we always have fun in church. I mean, we didn't make fun in church, you know what I'm saying? But I'm telling you, it's not like holy laughter when you see people getting excited that God really is up there and he really answers prayer and he really works. Especially new Christians. They don't have all the doubts that we have. You know, they read it, they see it, they believe it's like kids. They just believe that they're a new baby in Christ. You know, forgiveness, trust, and cleansing from sin. Remember I said, don't go through and don't do introspection. It's just not in the New Testament. Except at what? The communion table? The start to stop? How am I doing on time? I, I, my watch is good, and I think 15 minutes. i got to tell you a story. Remember the story I told you about? Or did I tell it? Think, I'll tell you about Rebecca DeBerry. Did I tell it? you the story about Rebecca DeBerry, the missionary that was uh, translating from Hebrew by Africa? I mean, okay. 
Rebecca is a missionary to CPF. I've known Rebecca for years and years and years. She's now in uh, over in Pine Lawn in one of those islands out in the Pacific there uh, with her husband. She was single this time, and she had spent four years in Gabon, Africa, when she was on loan to CMA. And then she enjoyed, after coming back from another part of Gabon, uh, working and helping these pastors. Um, and I was in Ghana doing uh, warfare seminars for the 10 Western African countries. The top Christian leaders and their entourages were all there and came down. And I was counseling all these Christian leaders, every single Christian African leader. That means over all the Christianity going on there was struggling with a lot of issues. Every single one of them. And so I could do the ones that spoke English, but when we had the ones from the French-speaking countries, uh, Rebecca was my translator. I could tell you a lot of stories, but this time warfare conference that we go through. But Rebecca told me, and this was just after Easter, she said, uh, Dr. Logan, I've never told you uh, the story that we found out before Easter. The story that just happened at Easter. Said before Easter, I found out that in the first church we were at in Africa, the most wonderful thing they could do for you is to bring food. If I really wanted to share what I could about the healing that we had, I would put food in front of you. The lady who was a deaconess, bring it to me, was not a Christian, and she was putting poison in the food. She kept upping the poison to kill these girls, and in four years she couldn't kill them because God was what. They're a protector. She, they didn't know they were eating poison, but it made her think of Mark. And then Rebecca said, at our church, and this happened just two weeks before she's sitting there in Ghana in with me, she said, at Christmas and Easter, our church takes new converts and has baptism and communion. That's the only time that they do it in this particular church. So this lady came at Easter time from the hill country, they didn't know who she was. And she wanted to be a member of the church. And she spoke the right answers to all the questions. But the pastor had, like I teach counseling, the gut level feeling. You know, you, you, if you're going to be a counselor, you you just can't go by, you know, the list of questions and all that. you got to go by your, the gut level feeling. Because you sense something's wrong, something's wrong. You know what I'm saying? You've got to have that sensitivity that all what you see is not there. And so the pastor had like a little feeling. We don't understand this lady's feeling. There's something not right. Well, the next time she came down before Easter to join, the elders said, they were mad before. There's no reason to take Amber. Now they're really upset, but you've got to take her. He took her. He baptized her. She had communion. That's Easter Sunday. She got sick. Rebecca and her partner, Joy, took her to the pastor's house. She fell down on the kitchen floor. The pastor came in and stood over her and said, you tell me, what is going on here? Who are you? And she died on the kitchen floor. They had no idea who this woman was, but they knew she was from up and from another way up in the hill country. They sent to the hill country, and they came down to Ghana, and they said, don't you know who she is? They said, no. She is the most powerful sorceress in our area. And she said, I will taste of the Christian's power before I die. And God struck her dead. You're to examine yourself 
And uh, let me tell you, in Africa, in that area, after a while, when the doctor got examined your heart, being filled with the Holy Spirit, none of them wanted to be on the kitchen floor of the pastor's house. <laughs> we need a little more of that in our church, you know. I like to tell that story. That's a good before communion story. <laughs> Shake them up a little bit. God's watching. You can tell your kids be. You know, I just wanted to grow up in warfare. At night, before she'd go to sleep, her mother would come in and she'd go, Go to sleep, the rats are coming. Go to sleep, the rats are coming. That's how she was put to sleep as a little girl. But you could go in and tell the kids, God's going to get you. God's going to get you. <laughs> anyway, but we need to let the Holy Spirit search and kill God. If you do it, enemy is going to help you, and you're going to end up in absolute despair. One of the worst depressions I ever had was doing introspection. And as I was going through the garbage of my life, guess what I was finding? Garbage, and I couldn't stand it. And I had, all you do is agree with God. In my flesh draws what? No good thing. Agree with that. And God, if there's any no good thing you want me to deal with, I will. Just bring it to my mind. I'll put it before you, but I'm not going to muck through the muck. I'm not going to get stuck in the muck. A lot of depressed people are stuck in their failures. So trust God for cleansing and forgiveness. Deliverance from evil. Trust for power over temptation. Go back and, and the couple up here, this young couple, uh, has memorized Psalm 91. Memorize Psalm 91. God's protection. Put yourself under his wing. Let him put his wings over you. You know, it's all, that whole psalm's about being protected. And stuff won't come near your dwelling and all that stuff. It's a wonderful warfare psalm, one of the best warfare psalms. There's a lot of others, but Psalm 91, you know, trust God for deliverance over temptation. I know that if I'm trusting and walking in God, God will not bring anything into my life which is beyond his control, which will ruin or hinder God's purpose for my life. I do not believe, you know, when I'm walking with God, that God will bring anything or allow anything to come into my life which is beyond God's control, which will ruin or hinder God's purpose for my life. I love to, good illustration of that is we used to read biographies to our kids at night before they went to sleep, a great Christian, a really human kid. And my, my son's favorite was uh, John Payton. 30 years with cannibals. And that was referred to before he was five. And here he is, a uh, youth pastor in his third church, and he said to me, you know, that sounds really strange. You know, I really like John Payton. I don't remember reading that. I said, oh, Richard, when you were four, I read this whole life to you. Every night, you know, they're trying to kill him. And, and every night, Richard would say, oh, Dad, isn't God cruel? You know, they throw a tomahawk at him and trip and fall. They set his fence on fire to burn his house down there, out there with their clubs. God sent a rainstorm and fire out. So every night, God is saying, isn't God wonderful? Isn't God a little four-year-old kid? Isn't God wonderful? He was so excited, you know, wanted me to read more and more and more. But I'll tell you, um, what was I going? Yeah, come in your life. Yeah, that's where I was going. One day, in the real illustration of this, he is weeding his vegetable garden. Which is nothing wrong with that. But there's a cannibal with a musket. And every time he moved down the road, he, the cannibal moved with a musket. 
people said, how in the world could you do that? He said, well, if he's going to shoot me, I'd be dead. But if he's not going to shoot me, this garden needs weeding. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. You know, is God my protector? Let me tell you, I've had people try to kill me in my office. One, a lady perhaps, a youth pastor, that tried to strangle me. And he threw his arms up and strangled me. And his hands are right there. And he couldn't close his hands on my throat. Because if not, as I could have been another missionary who has been coming to our had seen for years. I don't think I a long time ago this morning the Marines came in. But I had seen him sitting on his hands and just crying and said, Lord, I want to hurt you. That's what you do. You pray God's protection. You know, God is my protector. I'm not going to go and sit down with these screwy people at a council and, you know, I'll be afraid that maybe, you know, some demon's going to get me through there. And um, I said, no, I'm going to hurt you. And I said, can I talk to that screwy little girl? It's like midnight. I was so tired. And I said, wicked spirit, touch me. I thought he was just going to talk to his mind because he was talking to his mind. We were talking out loud. I'm going to hurt you. He was telling him to hurt him. But he spoke out of his mouth. He said, how? And I said, well, tell Joe why. He said, there's an angel with a sword standing behind us. I didn't see it. Another missionary said, I was going to leap on you. He was a missionary builder, and he didn't, he didn't even want to go and hurt me. And, uh, you know, his muscles had muscles. And uh, <clears throat> he said, I was going to hurt you. It was another one of these late-night things, because I was doing this with a lot of missions, doing deliverance for many, many missions. I won't tell you who they are, because they're not supposed to believe in this stuff. So Logan goes and helps the missionaries that are messed up. Um, but anyway, um, he said, you know, Logan, I was going to um, hurt you. And I think I don't think he was going to leap on me. Yeah, maybe he was going to leap on me too. But anyway, he's going to do something. And I said, why didn't you? He said, the shield. I never saw the angel. I never saw the shield. I never saw this of people that, you know, where they were so under the influence of the enemy, the enemy wanted to hurt them. I have never been hurt by anyone. But I've been hurt by a lot of Christians. Right? That gets hurt. Benediction. We're going to have to stop here. Ron came in and looked at me and he wasn't impressed with us. Am I out of time? Five minutes? Go back outside, Ron. <laughs> Logan's waxing eloquent. <laughs> okay. Thine is the kingdom. Focusing on God's rule. Really, what is the, who is the final authority in your life? Is it me? You know what I'm saying? Me, I, I want this, I want that, I want to do this, I want to do that. Then you can't pray this prayer. You see, and there's much more than this. I think we threw some of this stuff back in your book. I don't know how much we put back because I have so much in the Lord's Prayer. But all these different ways are probably are different. But every one speaks to my heart. So you see why I can't get through the Lord's Prayer very fast? When I just take this one and I get down, I start asking the Lord, and the Lord doesn't let me finish. So, on Sunday, my big prayer time is on Saturday and Sunday. Because I, where I can be quiet with the Lord. So I said, early in the morning, spend those hours in prayer. That's for me. I try the other side. <clears throat> if I'm dead tired, I can't do it. <clears throat> and I'm saying, dead tired, or I'm so exhausted at night, emotionally drained. Well, I can have, I can 
wicked, but I mean, I can't have this kind of stuff where you have the real intimacy with God. You know, if you're married, is your wife going, oh, just a quickie? Hi, honey. Well, let's talk. Well, we did. I said hi. <clears throat> but, but you know what I'm saying? She, she may want a little more than that. <clears throat> and sometimes God wants a little more than that, than your to-do list. I'll tell you, this is real hard with my kids. You know, I, you know I counsel half my counselors. Yeah, I've counseled probably thousands of people. And, I mean, I'm old, but somehow they don't see the oldness. I mean, it just doesn't seem to get through. I thought if mom would stop, the kids wouldn't come. But they keep coming. But I have to get them what? First of all, back under God's authority, and secondly, under their parents' authority. Or I failed in counseling. Because rebellion is as a sin of what? What's the next part? Stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. And what does Corinthians say? That you get involved in idolatry, you worship the spirits. They're both bad. So some kids may not be totally a rebel, but stubborn. And we've got to work on that. Because they're opening their lives to the influence of the enemy. I'm not so much looking for demon-possessed people to work with, I'm looking for people who are under the influence of the enemy and they can't seem to break it and are living constantly defeated lives. And I want them to break that influence over their life, break that power over their life by their wrong choices and get them back walking with God. I mean, there are tons of people out there that are walking with God today because we were able to agree with them. Okay? The power. Focus on His sufficiency. The power of God. Tell you, you go on the Indian reservations and you find you see so many believers that are fearful of the Lord. Unbelievable. Even though I t- try to teach them, they want me to go through the house and get rid of the spirits. I said, Well, I taught you how to do it. Communicate. If you're ever animus with people, three things that causes that animus with people have in common. One is the fear. They have fear of spirits. They've seen. You know, you know the enemy's real. They go, kid, you kidding me? I mean, they've seen all kinds of stuff. All kinds of things. There's not an Indian reservation they've been in Canada here or Alaska that there is an overt demonic creepy stuff going on almost all the time. And the tapes on that are millions or hundreds of years old. What they don't understand, they know the power of the enemy, but they do not know the power of Christ. And that causes them to be fearful, and that fear brings them to passivity. Pray against you, stand against this, and that's even worse. It's so bad right now, just don't do it. Don't do it, but that's it. So, you know, can we, it, does God have the power? And I'm talking about strange power, and I'm going to test God and so on, but let me tell you, I can't tell you my ministry, I've seen the power of God in me, and I've had a very powerful ministry. And I've seen God do all kinds of things for people who live behind their curtains, besides believers and situations, uh, that kind of thing. I can tell you stories of wonderful, godly, godly men that are very conservative that you would hardly believe they're smart, who are God's power doing these things and trying to kill them and so on. Mobs are trying to kill them and so on. It's still happening today. You don't have to read it in the old books. You understand what I'm saying? We have to go read the old books, Hudson Taylor and these guys, we go with that, but today we don't believe it. you got to be dead a hundred years, and then you can you know, have a book of that demonic effects and, and believe it. But not 
not today. You know what I'm saying? It's like somehow it's not a today thing. It's for those governed by the past. See, the glory. Focus on his presence. By the fear of the Lord, what? Men depart from evil. If we learn to live in the presence of God, you will have far more victory in life. If you would just add that one to the end. The Lord will never leave you nor forsake you. The Lord is with you. Am I aware that the Lord is watching over me? The first verse you ought to teach a child is what um, Hagar said to Balaam. Thou God's messenger. A little kiss you know that. And then give him the one in the song where God sees in the dark. Sees not the past. God loves what is very special. We'd like to kiss now, but don't turn off the nightlight. I'm sorry, we're doing the Lord here. If a kid's scared, how are you going to sleep with the dog? <laughs> I mean, some of the things parents do that you so when their kids don't come out all cracked and deformed, you know. Well, um, I'm going to have to turn this off. We. Um, at least got through the phone book. Uh, Francis Hagriel, that you know, that wrote Like a River Glorious, she takes one aspect of the Lord's Prayer and prays one on Monday, one on Tuesday, one on Wednesday. So in seven days, you get seven aspects of the Lord's Prayer. But I want you to know that that's where to start. If you want to start developing intimacy with God, Jesus didn't say, if you pray, he said what? When you pray, and when you pray, Pray this. That's what he said. Pray what? Like this. Break that prayer down like he did. And you have, there. that is the most perfect prayer that can ever be prayed. It covers every aspect of a person's life. We only looked at a few people that did this. But if you go to a bookstore and you see some books on the Lord's Prayer, grab a Bible you know, and look at them and see, what have they done with the Lord's Prayer? So you can be expanded and all that kind of stuff. And I see the man's going to come up here, and uh, he's going and doing this. And uh, I don't know if God would protect him from that kind of thing. Uh, he's not <laughs> hes not totally demonized, you know. So <laughs> and he's more powerful than me, so I, I yield to you.